How's everybody doing? Yeah, man. Tell you what, I will be honest. I was one of the people hollering in the back. It's fantastic. Just, I, I love it. I love that today's Vision Sunday and uh, just the worship and even rallying around the simplicity of Jesus, our redemption, you know, our salvation. Because if there's anything that our church is rooted in and that is the foundation of who we are, it's represented by this table. And this table represents everything that Jesus has done for us. Our sins past, present, future, annihilated by the cross of Jesus Christ that we might be approved of, not by somebody out there that we think is awesome, but by the king of the universe, the, the very creator of everything. And you were created by him and for him, just like Gerald was saying in Colossians. You know, we, he's, he's transferred us into the dominion of light. Um, it is a powerful thought, even to think about the, the centrality of the gospel and kind of see it on the ground. And today, I don't want to overdo, because I know a lot of you are here and you're going to stay for Vision Sunday, so I'm not going to uh, I don't want to double up too much because I have some things to say this afternoon as we talk about vision. But I do want to, I kind of had a direction earlier this week and then Friday, I, I kind of, I didn't, I wouldn't say I trashed my entire talk, but I did kind of say, you know what, I just want to have a conversation with the church uh, about who we are, about what God's called us to, what I'm most excited about, um, and really what our leadership is most excited about. And I think what you're most excited about, maybe Put some words to some of the things that you experience when you're here at Ocean City Church, but more importantly, when you're experiencing the power of the Holy Spirit. Because that's what, that's what creates and changes things in the room that you just experienced during worship. Um, it really, there's, there's nothing outside of that. It is His presence. It's not good preparation. It's not, you know, uh, you know a, a man's decision to do something that puts you in the place to experience God. God does that just through faithfulness. He says, I'm going to take your faithfulness and your availability and your brokenness, and people are going to experience the Spirit of God in and through you. And that's what we want to see as a church. So today, I, I want to take our, our vision statement, and I'll just put it up on the screen. I mean, most of you know it because we say it a lot and when we get up here, that we exist to invite anyone and everyone to experience the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus. And when I think about it, I want to, I want to break, kind of break this up into two parts. I, I did an entire series where we almost took every word. We went to invite, to anyone, to everyone, and, and did a, an eight-week series a few years ago. But I'm just going to split it in half. And I'm going to talk about inviting anyone and everyone, and then I'm going to talk about what it means to experience the unending ocean of grace. But just thinking about what, what are we inviting people into, and just to get a little historical, and I love that, um, that Antley Fowler's here because Antley was the bishop, we call him, of River City Church, who um, was so brave to plant Ocean City Church. It was, uh, we came out here with like nine people, didn't know what we were doing, and uh, he definitely had more faith than I did at the time that God would do something, and it's because he didn't, he didn't put his trust in me, he put his trust in Jesus um, and the way that Jesus sets things up as, as families. And, and here we are today, um, and it's blown me away every, every step of the way. But when I think about what that means to invite, to invite people into the unending ocean of grace. What does that on the ground look like? Like, do, do we ever experience that in church? And I remember going to River City Church years ago, um, and I, the, there was something so unique about it, because I, I think my prior experience of church, not in total, but most of the time, was living the two separate worlds. Like, you had church, I mean, if you grew up in the Southeast, who experienced this? Like, you had church life, and then you had life. Right? 
you had, this is fun, this is life, this is relationships, this is going to work, this is going and having playtime. And then because of the mistakes and the foolery from playtime, I got to go spend some time with Jesus. And he's nice and tidy and cleaned up and I better come in. And I've got Christian friends over here. Hey, how you doing, brother? Good, sister. You doing okay? That's great. Life over here, disaster, but hey, it's great. I'm fine. And you have the two separate, separate worlds. Well, experiencing River City Church, it was all in one place. Like Jesus, life, the mess, all of the stuff. And that sounds beautiful, but Antley will say it's also very messy. But it was amazing to have all that. All of a sudden, all of my friends, all of the mess, all of the transparency of life, all of the brokenness and dealing with the brokenness, but also all of the joy that comes from the, drop, the backdrop of pain rose up in that church in a, in a powerful way. And I remember in the early days, being in the city rescue mission, which, which is where we started, it was a mix of the haves and the have-nots. You had you know, 40 or 50 addicts always in the church uh, because it was in the city rescue mission. You were 10 blocks from the river, so you had people that were millionaires that were there. So you had just a beautiful mix of people all experienced, all in need of Jesus, whether you were a millionaire or you had just come off the street. Um, and and then you go into the building, and it didn't matter what the building looked like. There's ceiling tiles literally falling down from the ceiling during worship. Um, we actually signed one, didn't we? The whole staff, like, well, a ceiling tile almost killed somebody. It was like, you know, worship's going on. It starts whoop, 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 coming down, and we finally fixed the ceiling. But you experience something. I didn't invite people, and we talk about inviting. I wasn't somebody that just felt like inviting people to church, but because of the commitment of that church to not be settlers and settle into what everybody else does when it comes to church, but to be pioneers and say, you know what, we're going to make fun of value in church. Like, what church does that? Like, and it should be. Like, usually you have all these very spiritual values. You know, we value missions, we value, and you should value all of those things. But Antley, in the, in the church leadership there, fun. Church should be fun. If we're representing the king of the universe, we should celebrate the cross of Jesus Christ by partying. We should celebrate, and that should happen on Sunday. You should come to church. I mean, as a kid growing up, I came to church, and it, I don't know if you, it wasn't fun. I mean, I'm talking to the young people over here because they're like, we come to church, and it's fun. We go to student, student ministry, and it's fun. It was a value there. I remember leaving church and calling uh, Dan McFerrin. He's sitting right here, one of the elders in the church, and going, dude, you've got to come check this place out. It's crazy. It's awesome what God's doing. He's like, man, I got a church. It's great. I'm like, your church is lame. You should come here. <laughs> it's like, you, you should. And it was after a baptism service. And it was just one of those amazing, just like the Spirit of God, just watching and listening to story after story of God's redemptive power and the celebration that surrounded the baptism. And being in there, and maybe four or five times in the, in the time I was there, there would be these worship moments, very similar to what, what just happened, but on a crazy scale where in the city rescue mission, we, we push that thing to the, to the limits. And I say all this because I want you to know the history because it's really one of the things that's always stuck in my mind. When I think about inviting anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace, it is this idea of how are we as, as the, the people of God putting people in orbit around Jesus? Because we are not Jesus, but our job and what God's called us to through our joy, because we've experienced something amazing, is to bring other people into that orbit. And this was the, th these were those experiences in church. Obviously, that happens out as, as reflectors of his glory 
amongst your friends and out in the world, but to be able to invite people to a place where they experience that. And I remember worship one Sunday, and I was in the band, um, and I believe Gerald was too. Gerald, you couldn't see that he was wearing shorts because his shorts were so short. <laughs> he had his bass in front of him. People were like, who's the naked kid <laughs> on stage? And worship was so, this was like... There's always an environment in worship. This is every Sunday, and you guys do this too. It's like you've got people that are in, like into it. Like Dave is going to have his hands as high as he can get them every service. He's excited. He's probably going to cry pretty much every time during worship. And you've got those people. And at RCC, you'd have people, the hoppers, you know, the people that were into it, some flag wavers. And you had the people that you were worried about inviting people to church. You're like, is there going to be flags this Sunday? I don't know if I'm going to invite people. And you, but it was... Every once in a while, I love Annie's laughing because he, rem- he remembers this. Like everybody in church was, it didn't matter if you had just come and you, 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 you were just wanting to experience something spiritual, like you were a non-Christian. But it, something happened that transcended the band. It didn't matter how good the drummer was, the guitar players. Like it, the spirit of God swept in there. And the whole building was moving. And it literally, it was rickety. It was all moving. <laughs> and I remember I was, on the, uh, I was on the stage and I was looking. The projector was on a table on the balcony of the city rescue mission. And you couldn't even read the lyrics because that thing was, everybody's up there like this. Like it was a rap concert <laughs> going up and down. And I looked at the, I was like, I, we need to, if we're going to, you know, pray for people, we probably need to work underneath the balcony because those people might see Jesus today if that balcony <laughs> comes down. Um, and, but you experience that and that's what you're hoping for as a church in church. Now there's all kinds of ministries and all types of things that you want, but just like Moses said in Exodus 33, if God's spirit is not with us, then we don't want to go. We don't want to take one step. It is about his spirit. It is about his word, what he's called us to. It's about what we just sang about. It's about his redemption. It's about Jesus, the light of heaven. If it's not about Jesus, if it's not about his blood, if it's not about redemption, and it's not his spirit moving in and through us to heal and restore the world around us, then what are we doing? We're just coming in here to grab a latte and hear a talk and go out and have lunch somewhere else and be unaffected by it. But the the idea is that we would come in here different or come in here and be different when we leave and that because we're different and new creations when we leave, that the world outside of here is changed as a result of that, that everything changes. And I think about that, and one of my, my, it's one of our core passages as a church, there's several, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, when we think about inviting anyone and everyone, I think about what the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthian church. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. We've changed. And the old is gone and the new is here. All is from God who reconciled us to himself. He, he broke down the wall of hostility is what it says in Ephesians. He did something through his blood by taking our sin into the grave and rising from the dead. He broke something. He broke something down this wall between us and God and this wall between us and other human beings that we could have unity. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. He did it through Jesus. And this miracle not counting our sins against us like Dan was talking about. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Now we've got this in our chest. We've got something that we get to carry. We don't just pull a ticket and now we get to go to heaven and we go back about our business. Now 
we've got a mission. We've actually got a purpose in life that, that absolutely trumps every other mission, which is we carry the ministry of reconciliation inside of us. And he says it with stronger language in verse 20. He says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now that's a crazy miracle. Bunch of broken people. He says here, the, the, the most precious thing you could possibly carry, I'm gonna put it inside of you by the power of the Holy Spirit and you're gonna be my representatives. You're no, this is no longer your home. This is no longer your country. You are now citizens of another kingdom, but you're gonna be ambassadors to this, this place that you live down here. You're gonna be the ones carrying this message to the rest of the world. And one of the ways that we do that here, and you are central to that, is the way that we create spaces for people to experience Jesus. It's why years ago at River City, they did the life course. And that's why we do the life course. It's introducing people to Jesus, to the truth of the, the knowledge of the word of God, that they would experience the word of God, that they would come and actually, the life course is structured in a way that people come and go, this doesn't feel like church. The food's amazing. You know, not that, you know, church people make bad food, but we're like, let's raise the bar. Like you should come to a thing that is about God and it should be the best food, shouldn't it? It should feel fun. There should be levity. There should be joy. You've experienced resurrection spiritually in your life. We should laugh a lot. You know, in, in the midst of hard times, we should be the people that still have a sense of humor here on planet earth because we're redeemed. This isn't the end of our story. It's what we reflect to the world. So the life course is structured that way. And I remember the early days thinking, I don't know if this is gonna work, like inviting people to another church thing. I was kind of cynical back then. And then I went and Antley was my small group leader at the life course. My first group, because I thought, oh, it's just gonna be church people come to church stuff. And I, there was a Buddhist in my group. There was a guy that was, uh, wasn't a Christian, grew up going to temple, he was a Jew. There was, I mean, it was just a, and I was just sitting there with, like, what are they gonna say? These people don't believe any of the stuff we're gonna be talking about. And they asked some of the most amazing questions. I was terrified. And then I watched how Antley managed the group. And I, he, he didn't answer any of the questions either. I was like, look, smarty pants. I'm not answering these people's questions, you know? But you know what he did do? He loved them. He got them orbiting around Jesus every week. Every week it was closer and closer. Now, there was material. We're reading from the Word of God. We're teaching them apologetics while giving them good food, while having an amazing appetizer with, shh, don't tell anybody, but we had beer and wine at the appetizer. Um, it's because we had a bunch of British people on staff. They, they, they don't even understand why Christians, they're like, no beer and wine? Don't, y'all don't have at 1130, like lunch break at church? You don't go drink a pint? I mean, what is this place? Um, so, you had this amazing place where people would orbit around Jesus. And I remember just watching these people, not thinking and having no faith that they would come to know Jesus. And one of the guys that I was, I was rooming with from that group the very first time, he was, he, was, uh, he was Jewish. I was terrified for him to go on the weekend. Because when you go on a weekend away, you think, oh, this is going to feel like a cult, you know? Like, pack up the Kool-Aid, we're going to get them all converted, you know? Um, and you go, and you know how simple it is? Uh, on the weekend, I mean, I'll just give you like those of you that haven't been. We ask the Holy Spirit to come because we're not gonna do it. We're not gonna fix everything. We're not gonna heal people. We're just human beings. But guess what? Christ in you is the hope of glory and God heals people on the weekends. God, the Spirit of God comes and people, people experience Jesus. They wake up to the knowledge that he is the savior of the world. 
And the guy I was with, I thought, no way. He grew up going to temple. He's Jewish. He's kind of offended by some of this stuff. There's no way. And I just thought, well, maybe he's not that Jewish. And then I was his roommate. I know, I shouldn't have said that. But hey, I just didn't know. <laughs> so we're roommates. And he takes off his shirt. And he's got the Star of David tattooed on his back. I guess he's Jewish. I mean, just... And I just watched his journey, watched him dig into the book of John on the weekend, sweat like a hostage in prayer ministry because he's nervous and the spirit of God was on him. And just not knowing how to answer the questions and being able to be there and fumble through it and answer those questions. And then he, a week, week or so later at the life course, gave his life to Jesus. And there's story after story after story. And then we've hosted the life course. Again, inviting people into these places where they can not just experience something. I mean, it's always good to, to, to remember that we're not just, because you could go, you could experience something. Worship could be good. There could be a, a vibe in the room and you miss the whole point that what you're experiencing is Jesus. But to be particularly led to the good news that Jesus saves and nothing else does. An experience won't save you. A, you know, a, a you know, a, just a thought won't, won't save you, but it is going to be the Spirit of God. It's going to be Jesus that saves you in that experience. And time and time again, even watching the life, when we did the life course, I think the third time here in 2019, it was the last time we did it before uh, the pandemic, and I cannot wait to do it this coming fall. But we did it at Surfer the Bar. And it was amazing because the people that don't come to church came to that. Actually, I just talked to somebody that's moving to Washington, D.C., left today in tears because she does not want to move and leave here. And it's because... You guys, because of this church community, she's a tiny little girl that is a helicopter, flies massive helicopters. It's amazing. You see her, you would never guess. Um, and she came the first time with another girl that rode her bike, not a Christian, just came and just thought, I want to experience something spiritual. What's in this area? She's like, oh, it's at Surf of the Bar. I can go to that. I won't go to church, but I'll go to that. And she showed up. Life changed. We got to see her life navigating, experiencing something but more importantly, orbiting around Jesus and then all of a sudden realizing, oh, this is, oh, this is all about Jesus. So that's the inviting piece, but what is the anyone? And I think the anyone is kind of laced in what I've already said. It's the idea of what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that though he was free from any and all men, he could have just said at the end, of, like, hey, I'm approved of by God. I don't, I don't need to do anything at this point. Like, if I live my life for God or not, I'm still rescued and saved. But he says, I, something's happened inside of me. But though I'm free from any and all men, I make myself a servant to any and all that I might save some. And then what does he do? He lists off all kinds of people. He's like, for the moral people, I'm gonna meet them where they are. For the immoral people that don't think they have a shot with God, I'm gonna get on their level, see things from their point of view, and I'm gonna meet them where they are. And I'm gonna do all of these things for the sake of the gospel. In the message, it says, hey, I don't want to just talk about it. I want to be in on it. I want to be the person that gets to step in. I want to be the ambassador because I carry the ministry of reconciliation. It's why when Dan comes up here or anybody hosts, Dave or Mary Beth or anybody comes up here, that you, you never get the sense that they're better than you. They're, they're talking to you in, with language that's truthful, honest, and transparent. And that is not just because of who they are. That's not by accident. It's because... That's part of who we are as a church, inviting anyone and everyone into the unending ocean. When we think about anyone, that's the, nobody's disqualified. Nobody is disqualified. It doesn't matter what your background, it doesn't matter if you've been to church your whole life and you think you've got it all put together as a religious person, which you need Jesus more than anybody if you are that. 
or the person that has blown up their life and thinks they should not be in church or the person that's coming with doubts or the person that thinks, oh, this is the, the life that I live. This is the things that I believe. I can't walk through the doors of that church. People ask that question all the time. And we are going to remove every barrier. We're going to try. We're not always wonderful at it to let people know we're not better than you. We're just anchored to a hope. We're just, oh, we've hitched our wagon somewhere else. We're, the, we're just as sinful, just as broken, in, in just, a, just as much a desperate need of salvation as you are. Christians often elevate themselves like they've figured it out. We never want anybody to feel that, including from the stage. And that's, that's a tone thing. That's, and, and, and anyone can experience this. Nobody's disqualified. And that makes people kind of nervous sometimes, especially church people. They're like, you mean anyone? And then the questions come. Well, what if they're this? What if this is their lifestyle? What if this is their thing? What if this is what they're about? Well, my job is not to fix somebody's sin. That's Jesus. He is the one. Jesus paid it all. I didn't. He is the one that does it. But, but I'm going to be a part of the team here that gets people in that place of orbiting around Jesus, understanding the gospel, having a, a compass and a worldview that leads to Jesus and not all the garbage down here that people say saves you. That's what we want to be doing as a church when it comes to the anyone. The everyone, the everyone gets me just as excited as the anyone. The everyone is kind of the breadth, you know? Why, 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 why anyone and everyone? Well, the anyone is qualification. The everyone is how far does this gospel go? Well, it goes a long way. And God's called us not just, what does he, he say in Acts chapter one? He says the, the spirit of God's gonna come. And it's one of the most beautiful sections in scripture because you see this is how the church is, this is, what, this is why we talk about the Holy Spirit because it's central to the church. He says the spirit of God's gonna come and you're gonna take the gospel to Judea, to Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here, there, and everywhere when the spirit of God comes. So we're not just called to speak over each other the gospel. We're not just called to speak it outside these doors, but to extend the gospel across the globe. And that's why we've invested, this, this, especially this past couple of years, in our groundswell ministries, our, especially our global. Like we've now got a, instead of just, we had nobody really over our missions, local and global. And then we had the Johnsons that stepped in and have created a framework and a groundwork. And now we have an, a whole groundswell team that's in different parts of the world working and representing different areas and ministries within our church. And we've got ministries now, and, and almost the mindset has changed. Because early on, I think we were thinking, when are we going to send our first missionary? When are we going to send our first missionary? When are we going to send our first missionary? But what God's shown us is, yes, we want to send missionaries. We want to have ways of assessing missionaries. And we're working on that this year. We're working on some of the logistics and what it looks like to have somebody say, I want to be in the mission field Here's the assessment process. Here's how we can support you. Here's one of the four missions organizations in our church that we would love for you to go to. But if you're going outside of that, that's what this looks like. But outside of that, today, I mentioned this last week, we can support ACOA in su such a way, which is the ministry in Uganda, ACOA Refuge. They are planting churches left and right. They are sending out missionaries from Uganda. You know why that's smart? Because who's gonna reach Ugandans? Ugandans. I mean, we as Americans think, you know, let's all, like, we need to go, everybody needs to pack up. Now, I believe that there's missionaries in the room right now, and you should pack up, and God might be sending you to the Middle East. He might be sending you to China. He might be sending you somewhere, and you should go if God's called you. I, I, I hope that a lot would go, 
But we certainly should be supporting the ones that are on the ground that have a voice currently. I mean, we often as Americans think, here comes Whitey to save the day, and we're the ones that can save it all. But guess who's going? The indigenous people in those particular areas are the ones that God has placed there. Why not, in humility, step beside the ones that God's already called on the ground? So we can pull our resources together as a church. That's what Equipping Leaders International does, ELI. Chuck MacArthur came and spoke this summer while I was on sabbatical. And he's the executive director. And I cannot believe how this ministry has grown. It's exactly what they do. They train trainers that can get into all these remote areas in Africa and all of these different areas. They've got country heads that train people, that train people that end up getting down on the pastor level and give these guys good theology. Because that's what they don't have. They don't have the access. You have access. You have more access to amazing theology than guys that are teaching the word every week in Africa. So they're like, we are going to use the Second Timothy model and we are going to continually, that's all we're going to focus on that. We are going to take care of them when they're hurting and we are going to equip them with the knowledge and the power of the word of God. And it's changing those communities and it's exploding like nothing we see here in the United States. And one of your dollars is like 150 over there. It is crazy what you can do, how many people you can train, and what God's doing in and through ELI and these trainers on the ground. When they do these trainings, it's usually with 20, 15, 20, or 25 pastors at a time. Two guys will go in, indigenous trainers is what they call them, and they'll go in and train. These guys have been trained and then sent out, and then they go out into these remote areas and train these pastors. And these, I mean, Dan was showing me pictures because Dan's actually been there and seen ELI in action. Like, to get to these conferences... These pastors are so desperate for training in the word of God. They're like packing up a, a moped with like 40 pounds of rice so they can eat while they're there. And they're buzzing through the middle of nowhere. Like on, and then they get to a river, they throw the motorcycles on a, literally a tied together wood raft and push it across the river, get on the other side. And they finally get to the conference center. I mean, they, go, they come from all over to go to these trainings. And they think that the most valuable, I mean, as a pastor, to, to see people that hungry and value the word of God like that is, I'm a little jealous. But I, I want to read a couple of the, just testimonials, because this is what you've invested. Since we threw ELI into the mix and started supporting them full force in the last couple of years, some of the testimonies coming out of the, the, what, what's happening there is incredible. This, these are some of the people that, some of the pastors that were trained by the indig indigenous trainers, what they said after their training after they rode their motorcycles 40 miles to get there. They said, I'm very proud to be a part of this wonderful blessing. I did not dream of being here today to study at this level. I am grateful. I mean, they can't believe that they're getting, and it's simple training, training that, that we get every week, training that we get in our city groups, training that we get when we do theological foundations. They are blown away by it. One of the pastors said this. He said, I thank God because he has changed my worldview through this training about women altogether. Thanks to ELI for sending us prepared and trained people to come to our aid. My worldview about women has been that they are not equal to man and only man was made in the image of God. And now my worldview has changed. You know, the world thinks that the Bible is the, the reason that people demean women. And 
The truth of the gospel is it's finding its way into these remote areas and it's changing the hearts of, these are pastors that had, had a broken belief. Somebody came along at some point in their life and taught them that women were less than men, taught them that they weren't equal to men. And then the truth of the word of God led them to what? Not what the world says, it's pushing women down and taking them out of areas where they're empowered to carry the gospel just like men, but it's blowing up in their lives and they're seeing the truth and they're realizing that they're equal and they're loving their wives better and loving their congregations better. There's even, oh, I love, I love this one. Very similar story. He says, I appreciate ELI for sending these trainers to us. I've been looking at women like people that are inferior to men and I've been taking taking women and their personalities like they're not as mature or valuable as men and not equal to men. But now I praise God for this new understanding that they are made in the image of God. Isn't that powerful? I mean, I could could go on. There's tons of stories. The amount and the the progress that ELI is making and the amount of countries that they're in, uh, in India and Africa, would absolutely absolutely blow you away what's happening there. I mean, it is, it is incredible, and it's what we get to invest in, extend, extending. So it's not just inviting and creating places where we can realize and wake up that Jesus saves and nothing else does, but we can do that and push and come alongside, humbly come alongside people that are doing it and, and put our money where our mouth is and say, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support this guy. And we get to actually hear the stories. We get to talk to people that are coming back from there going, this is what happened on the ground. This is how God is changing. This is how God is expanding things. I can't wait till Chuck comes and does a ministry highlight that you're going to be blown away by what God's doing. You continue in, the, in our vision statement. It says, experiencing the unending ocean of grace. What does it look like for us to experience? When, I, when we say that, it's an encounter with Jesus. What does it mean for us to encounter Jesus? Because He is the ocean of grace. He is the one who birthed the ocean of grace through his blood, soaking the the ground at Mount Calvary, going into the grave and by the power of God being raised to life, that we might be raised to new life as well. So he is the ocean of grace. And like I said in verse 20, it says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. What does that mean? That means you are plan A. You are the ambassadors. It's why we have, Dan mentioned this, but we, it's why we have anchors here and we don't just have volunteers or a serve team, which is, that's fine. It's a different way of thinking about it. But we always thought about it differently from the very beginning. That instead of just attending church and then all of a sudden getting to the point where you feel like, oh, I should probably volunteer, that it should be that we get to be ambassadors. We're carrying the ministry of reconciliation. You've experienced the unending ocean of grace. You've experienced Jesus if you've, been here, or if God has encountered your life at some point, you've experienced that. And the idea of being an anchor is Hebrews 6.19. Jesus is the anchor. He's what we're anchored to, right? He's the reason that, that we're able to steward somebody's experience. He's the one that's, what does that passage say? Leading us beyond the veil into the presence of God. That passage, sometimes you're reading, you're like, what is that stuff about the veil? It's just Jesus made a way. And now you as image bearers, guess what you get to do? You get to anchor somebody's experience. 
you get to make a way for them. You get to remove all the distractions for somebody. You get to move all that stuff aside because you've experienced something. In your excitement, you can hold somebody's baby and say, God's going God's to meet you in there. I got, I, got your, I got your baby. Holding the door. Slapping the bass. It's all, it's, all, it's all anchoring. That's somebody's experience. I mean, if you hit the wrong note on a bass, it kind of makes you sick to your stomach. Nobody's going to get saved, right? I mean, you got to do that well. But that's the idea is that you get to, you get to that, who's going to lead the life course groups? You are. You are the church. You are the ambassadors. You are the ones carrying the ministry of reconciliation. And here's the, the crazy thing is that God uses feeble and fallen clay, broken, beat up, scarred people. And your process of restoration and healing may be the very thing that you see as your brokenness, but it actually may be the healing for somebody else. We all come thinking we can't, I don't have anything to give. I'm, I'm barely making it. My relationship's just falling apart. I just walked through a divorce last year. I barely am, I'm barely climbing out of chemotherapy and cancer. What, what do I have to offer? And I can tell you, the people that are walking those stories in our church are absolutely shining the light of Christ on people around them because people are just slack-jawed thinking, how do you have such faith? How I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I want to be hitched to whatever wagon you're hitched to because I don't even know how you can smile. We carry that on this side of heaven because we're going to see something in glory that trumps everything down here whatever pain we walk through, whatever amazing thing that we experience down here, it's gonna be better when we see him face to face. The glory of heaven is not the treats, the golf course that's up there, the waves you get to ride. It will be Jesus. He will trump it all. We will worship the slain lamb. We will remember the sacrifice that was, was made. Worship will be, we got a, a, a glimpse, a tiny shred of it today. We will, we will be experiencing something together that We'll know why we should invest our lives in the cause of Christ. We'll know. Here we see dimly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it also says we live by faith and not by sight. On this side of heaven, that's the way that we live. We live by faith and not by sight. And I used to think, oh yeah, we just don't get to see stuff. No, the reality is, is we live by faith. We sacrifice as ambassadors by faith. And we don't always get to see the results. I mean, I get to read some results on a sheet of paper, but I mean, I could never even dig down to the depths of the stories of the pastors and what they've gone through, how God's used individual churches in this church to rescue them and lead them. We won't hear all those stories. And as you serve here, you're not going to hear all the stories. You're not going to know. I came in this morning and Jason Venn, who's crazy talented in many different ways, could lead any small group, could lead any Bible study here as a great teacher. Him and his wife, both great mentors, great family to watch. If you're wondering how to parent well, they're amazing. But what is he doing on a Sunday? He's out in the rain this morning, sweeping up trash, cleaning the parking lot, anchoring y'all's experience to come in here so that you don't have to walk through a lot with a bunch of trash in it. Like, why does that matter? I don't know, but I think in heaven we're gonna see one day. I think we're gonna see just what, what was happening in the heavenlies while he was sweeping the parking lot. How the spirit of God was working. You know, a couple weeks ago, maybe it was three or four weeks ago, the Dan and Nancy Trifoletti were 
serving at kids. If you don't know the Trifolettis, they're amazing human beings. She is can bake like you've never, I mean, she is just, she could have her own business. No, no joke. That is not just, that's, she could. She is amazing. Um, and uh, you know, Dan is, is a doctor uh, at Mayo, works on brains and stuff. He's, I guess he's smart. Um, and, and you wouldn't think they would be the student ministry people. Like, I mean, you ask Mary Beth, you'd be like, I don't know if that's, the, you know, that, that they would, but they wanted to be in student ministry. And I'm like, Dan, he's really into math. Are you sure we want to do that? But they are incredible. Like they were hosting students the other, the other night. And I just was like, this is the dream team. Like you got somebody that most unlikely people up here and they're crushing it, leading kids, cracking jokes. And, but they, they, have, they, they created such a soft landing for students because they, they are, middle school and high schoolers are going through it. This generation is, they're navigating something that I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine how, to, how you walk through the threshold of your school and experience what they experience and stay steady in your faith. And, and the insecurity that's abounding in this generation. And for a kid to walk in here and go, I can breathe here. I can breathe. But we don't even get a shred of what's happening in the heavenlies. As Dan Trifoletti's awkwardly cracking a joke, dad jokes up here, you know, kicking, you know, doing whatever, and kids are going, hmm. You think, I'm not doing anything. It's something, there's a force cracking through in the heavenlies by the power of the Holy Spirit every time somebody sacrifices that way. And they don't see it, but Jesus is seeing it. He is smiling. He is dancing over them going, woo Spirit of God's coming. Kids are getting saved. And I love that there's, you know, there's 15 students over here on a Sunday, but you come to students, there's 60, which means... The out, we're reaching the outsiders. The outsiders are coming in. Kids that we don't know. We were just, where are these kids coming from? We don't know. But they're going to hear about Jesus in here. They're going to play games. They're going to have fun because Jesus is fun. Doggone it. But they're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to they're learn. They're going to look and stand in awe of other kids raising their hands and worshiping. And that happens every week. You see kids in the back going, this is weird. And then you see the kids that have experienced Jesus up front going, I don't care how this affects my popularity. He's worth it. And that right there, that kid doesn't know what effect it's having on the kid behind him that's going, huh? There's something worth that? We have no idea what are the small things that we do, what it, how it affects the mission of God, but I have a sneaking suspicion that we're gonna we're gonna see something and we're gonna be like, what? I wish I'd have given more. And it's the same, it's the same way with our money. It's the same way with our finances. We have no idea. We think, oh, this is what what effect does this have? The the this six-pack challenge I talked about last week. Like, you know, I'm gonna give up, you know, six pack of IPAs a week, you know. It's ten bucks. What is that going to do? $40 a month or $43 a month? What's that going to do? Oh, I bet it's doing a lot. I can't, I can't even fathom. Because God, think about the, the, the woman that was packing the boy's lunch that was going go to go stand in front of a, a man that was performing miracles with 5,000 other people. He's got some, some bread, some fish in his bag. And she's 
grinding, probably got some other kids. One's screaming. She's changing a diaper and packing a lunch, you know, going, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. And she's freaking packing miracles and she doesn't even know it. Right? We have no idea. And everything that we give, everything that you extend today, as you fill out a card, as you do reoccurring giving online, it might just seem like a process, something that church people do. I think we're going to just absolutely be blown away when we see Jesus. And some of it, we're going to hear the stories in the next few years of what God's doing because we're investing this year in you. We've said, look, we've invested in placemaking. We invested in Suite 7. We've invested in our spaces and our stuff, and we'll continue to do that. But we are really pushing in theological courses, pushing so, so that you feel equipped. Ephesians chapter four, that the apostles and the prophets and the teachers would equip us so that we wouldn't be tossed about by the winds and the waves, that we would have a theological compass, not so we could say we're right about everything, but so that we could lead people humbly and gracefully into the actual ocean of grace who is Jesus. So this is the way it's gonna work. We're gonna take a little bit of time to give and you've got cards in the back of your seat backs you can fill those out. And the way that the reason this is important, because some of you are already giving and I always ask this question, should I fill out a card again? And the answer to that question is yes. I mean, for you, it might be, here's the amount that I give. I wanna, I'm doing the six pack challenge. I'm doing 40 extra dollars a month, $10 a week. Just I'm doing weekly, $10 or monthly plus $40. And just put on there, already giving, adding $40 or adding $10 a week or whatever it is that, that you're giving. Or you can go to the online card right there. You can do the exact same thing on, with, the, with the online card and put, that, put on there your extended giving. Or if you're giving for the first time, say, first time giver, this is what I'm committing this year. And that's two things. This is important. One, because it lets us know and helps us budget. We can get excited and go, okay, here's how we're going to slot these things. Here's how ELI's getting paid this year. Here's how ACOA's getting paid. Six eights getting paid. Staff's getting paid. This is how we're paying our expenses. This is how we're getting rooted here. This is how we're paying for Christmas Eve service. This is how all this is happening. It helps us judge all that. Secondly, there's a spiritual thing in filling out a commitment card. I believe that. Filling those things out lets Puts, puts me in, the, in, the, in a position where I've said publicly, I'm giving. I'm in this. Because it's easy for me in my mind to go, you know what, I'm gonna start giving. And then two weeks go by, three weeks go by, five weeks go by, or I start giving and then I, I'm not giving. But I never really made a commitment, so it doesn't really matter. But to say, hey, together, side by side, as we wage war in the heavenlies together as ambassadors, side by side, we're doing it together. We put our cards in and say, this is what I'm giving. This is what I'm doing. This is what I'm doing in this season. It's good, for the, it's good for the heart, the broken heart that tends to walk away, that tends to wander. That's why I love reoccurring giving. It just comes out. We just take your money just like that. It really is. It's a great thing. It's a great spiritual discipline to give. Money, John Piper says this about money. He says, God gives us money to show the rest of the world that it's not our God. You get that? That we are open-handed with it and we lay it before the king. As he gives it to us, we give it right back and say, use it for your glory and for your name and for your renown. Let's pray and let's give.
God, we say, come Holy Spirit. We love you. We love who you are. We love that you've given us something to invest in that will reverberate into eternity. We can invest in a lot of, a lot of things on planet Earth. But we want to invest in the things that will matter most in the end. So God, I pray that you inspire our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit to change the way that we think. We love you. We worship you for your, the way that you've loved us. And we want to extend that to the world. In Jesus' name.